I'm Brandon Hull, and it's Freelance to Founder. Yeah, so I'm going to be honest, that has never been my strong point. Um, I am all about the viewpoint that fitness should be accessible to everyone. So I've always wanted to have a lot of free content so that, you know, a college kid who wants to get in shape or get stronger but can't really afford anything can get stronger and fitter and actually work on their own fitness. Ultimately, my goal is to help people, help them get fitter, help them like realize that they can do all these things that they never thought they could do. But I still need to run a business. You know, this is still my full-time thing. I pay a lot of people. So that's always been a little bit of a, of a struggle for me. If you are new to the show, Freelance to Founder is a podcast where I talk to entrepreneurs from all walks of life, all over the world, literally. They've built service companies, marketing agencies, online courses, physical products, software. They've launched profitable blogs, turned podcasts into businesses, or some combination of all of these things. In many cases, they started as freelance pursuits or side projects that took on a whole new life and scaled far beyond the founder's expectations and definitely bigger than themselves. Today, you will hear the story of Krista Stryker, founder of 12-Minute Athlete. Now, today, Krista is living a comfortable life. She's married, lives in Los Angeles, California, has a beautiful beagle that chose to sleep for our entire episode. She's got her own fitness app, an incredible YouTube channel, blogs for days on healthy living and activities featuring high-intensity interval training. Life is good. Her business is doing well into the six figures, and she's recently added numerous contributors to 12-Minute Athlete in a variety of capacities. But it wasn't always this way. In this episode, you're going to hear about the aha moment that turned things around and transformed Krista into a founder. You're going to hear how she went from personal trainer to app developer to online course builder. You're going to hear how she struggles with what content to give away versus what content she should charge for a little bit more than what you just heard in that snippet at the beginning of the show. And you're going to hear her vision for 12-Minute Athlete in the future and how what you see on the homepage and in the app and in the YouTube channel and in other content will change. And we'll get started on her story in just one minute. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language. Order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Hey, Krista, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on. I We were talking before we started recording about um, how I first became aware of 12-Minute Athlete, and it was at Craft & Commerce, an event that ConvertKit just started putting on, ConvertKit, the email software company, uh, just started putting on up in their home base of Boise, Idaho recently. And I was fascinated by your story because it had never 
I don't know, maybe I'm not fit enough, but it had never <laughs> occurred to me that somebody could take what I have always felt like as a lifestyle and turn it into a multi-pronged, multi-channel business like you have. So again, I'm extremely excited to have you on. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm stoked to be here. So, Jeesh, we're talking online courses, uh, an actual dedicated app, uh, smartphone app. You've got the Instagram channel with a massive amount of followers. You've got the YouTube channel with uh, so many how-to videos over the last couple of years. Uh, there's a part of me that doesn't even know where to, where to start in some way. Recipes, programs, like so much stuff that we could talk about. What can you, how can you introduce somebody to who's not familiar with your work to what the business side of Krista Stryker, the 12-minute athlete, is today? What is the business all about today? Um, yeah, that's a great question. So when I first started my business, I started as a blog, and that was what it was. Um, there, I didn't even start trying to get any revenue from it for about six months. I just wanted to get content out there and start building a following. Um, today, like you said, I have, I have the app. Um, I have, I just self-published a book recently this past December, which has been really awesome. Um, I have various workout online workout programs, um, and some online coaching with me. I do just a little bit of one-on-one -on -one work these days. And I do have some advertising and affiliate marketing revenue. I think that's about it. Um, oh, that's all. Yeah, yeah, just those 12 <laughs> things, right? Yeah. I've always <laughs> I did I've always gone in, into it with the mindset that um the more revenue streams the better because you never know the app store one day Apple could just shut it down. Um so you shouldn't rely on just one thing. I, I really believe in that. So th this, again, it's just, it just blows me away. And I know I'm the naive one. There's other people out there saying, do you not pay any attention to this stuff, Brandon? You say you went to the ConvertKit show and you, uh, and you, inter you interview entrepreneurs. And I've interviewed bloggers, seven-figure bloggers even on this very show. So I shouldn't be so naive. Um, but maybe that naivete will lead to some, some good questions for you in our conversation today. But Tell tell me how this all got started. the The rumor has it that you were not some sort of um, youngster who was absolutely focused on being an entrepreneur or being in business for yourself or even necessarily being a fitness buff uh, when you were really young. But it, it all of this got started maybe with a challenge issued from a brother or something like that. Yeah. So I'll give you a little bit of background on my uh, fitness background. I grew up playing sports. I grew up in a small town in Washington state and it was kind of just the normal thing to play soccer, basketball, things like that. But I never really connected to team sports. Um, and maybe I had some potential, but I, I quit, you know, partway through high school, went off to college, basically did absolutely nothing athletic for <laughs> at least a couple of years. Um, ate way too much mac and cheese <laughs> Being the freshman 15 um, and really just had this viewpoint of myself that I was going to be this kind of slightly chubby, out of shape, weak person for the rest of my life. Uh, I never, no one had ever given me any encouragement that, you know what, if you work towards something, you could get fitter and stronger. It was just kind of like assume that 
I couldn't do anything um, requiring any upper body strength. I didn't have very good core strength, anything like that. Mm -hmm. So, of course, as these things do, um, that carried over into my the rest of my life. I was totally lost as a person. I had no confidence. I didn't know what I wanted to do with anything. I went to five different colleges before I graduated in three years still. Um, Goodness. I was, I was motivated, but I just didn't have any direction. Um, and feeling that way about my body and just kind of that I didn't have any control about how I felt. I didn't have very good energy levels. Um, and like I said, I just felt kind of weak overall. <laughs> and I, I just did not like that feeling. So as you mentioned, one day, my older brother, who's a basketball player, he played basketball in, in college. He's six foot seven, giant person. <laughs> <laughs> he challenged me. He always would pick on me. He still does. He challenged me to do a push-up because he he told me, he's like, there's no way you could do a push-up. So I very vividly remember doing three of like the crappiest push-ups anyone's ever seen. But I was so excited about them because I had never even attempted a push-up, mm. which is crazy to me to think that not only like I, I didn't believe I could do them, but I'd never worked on them. Um, and yeah, I did these three push-ups and... I mean, I'm sure I went went down like one inch towards the floor, but like, but something switched in my brain that it was like, maybe if I actually work towards something like a push up or, you know, whatever it is in my life, I could make progress, I could get stronger, I could get better. Um, and that sounds so simple now, but it was a really big switch for me. Okay, you knew this was coming. Outtake moment number one. Do you have in your past moments that you did not recognize that should have been aha moments for you where things pivoted? Can you go reclaim those? Can you turn those into pivot moments for what you do going forward? Krista did in the moment. Did you do it or would you recognize it if it happens for you? Great moment from Krista there. You literally had a an aha moment from that one, I mean, obviously you remember the event like it happened yeah. not too long ago, but it was that big of a, an aha moment for you that you felt like, no, this, I can do this. Uh, it, it might only be three and they might be sloppy, but I can do these three. And, and, and it was the doing of the three that, that had this light bulb effect on you. It was. And of course it wasn't like that clear cut. You know, sure. I didn't go into from those pushups to all of a sudden, like rocking pull-ups and pistol squats <laughs> and handstands, but it was the start of a journey. Uh, and so that was a really important part in my, both my fitness journey and my business journey. Cause as we've talked about, my fitness journey ultimately led to my business. Well, so what happened next then, if you had this uh, aha moment and you're in college, you know, frustrated with where you're going, what were you studying at the time? What was your plan and uh, that this disrupted, <laughs> this got in the way of doing what? <laughs> well, again, it wasn't it wasn't as straightforward as I now looking back, I could have made it. Sure. But I was studying international affairs, um, thought I was going to be a journalist or in politics or something related to that. I love to write. That was the only thing that I knew. 
I actually got married not too long after that time, uh, maybe a couple years later, got married pretty young. And my husband and I moved to Amsterdam, where I thought I was going to be able to work and have um, or and work as a English speaking journalist there. Well, <laughs> there were no jobs. First of all, I couldn't get a work visa. So I literally wasn't allowed to work. But um, even if I was, no one would have hired me because I didn't speak Dutch. Because apparently, as I learned very quickly, everyone in Amsterdam can also speak English. So there was no need for an English translator or anything like that. (laughs) So that kind of crushed my dreams. I almost feel like I should insert some sort of tire screeching moment here because (laughs) this wasn't just sort of a, hmm, maybe (laughs) I need to change gears type of moment. It was a slam on the brakes, everything's got to change type of moment. And so I won't go so far as to assume that you immediately knew you needed to go the fitness route necessarily, but did you, did this... I'm going to be a journalist overseas and, and I'm going to help with, uh, with people learning English as a second language. Did all of those turn into a, just like a dead time in your life where you felt like, what am I going to do? And then that fitness moment sort of reemerged in your mind that this is where I need to go. Or did you immediately start heading in this direction? Um, it was a little bit more like in between. Um, so I I started kind of volunteering and doing some like online freelance writing, mm-hmm. but as I'm sure you can guess, that doesn't really pay the bills. Right. Um, and so that was during the time when I when I couldn't work and I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I figured, you know what? I have a lot of time. I'm going to study to get my personal training certification. And so I did that. It took a while, uh, six months or so to do that. And I had to go take a train to somewhere out in the middle of nowhere in the Netherlands to take the test in person because there weren't online tests at the time for some wow. reason. Um, but I got that. And then we ended up moving to New York City. And so that's where I first started being able to actually work as a trainer. And my understanding is the move back to New York City led to you trying all kinds of things. You you went down the running path, cardio, weight training, even like sports specific training, CrossFit, all of those things. And like you were not only just dissatisfied emotionally with them, but there were physical ramifications from those as well for you. Is that right? That's true. So I went from like not really working out at all to kind of going the other direction, like crazy. <laughs> um, and The thing as a a trainer, um, not only are you trying to do your own workouts and stay in shape, you're also actually working pretty hard with your clients. You're always demonstrating moves, you're putting weights away, you're on your feet all day long. So I was overtrained, I was injured, I was exhausted, I had zero energy to do anything, and it got old. (laughs) I just couldn't do it anymore. And so... What happened, if I remember right, is the winter I was in New York was a pretty terrible snowy winter. And there were times that they wouldn't have um, the trucks to clear the snow on our street because I lived in Brooklyn Mm -hmm. and we just couldn't get anywhere. And so I was stuck in this tiny apartment and I started trying to figure out ways, you know, to actually work out in the apartment. 
And I think I had a chair, a doorway pull-up bar, and a single kettlebell at the time. Um, and that's when I started just really kind of experimenting with high-intensity interval training, hit, um, quick circuit strength workouts, just really trying to do a lot without a lot of equipment in not very much time mm-hmm. also. Um, and that's where all of a sudden I started doing these workouts that were taking a lot less time and actually getting stronger because before I was kind of following the general training protocol that you see in all the certification books. Um, and it's not that it's bad. Like there's obviously great stuff in there, but it didn't work for me. And I didn't want to do that kind of hour long, be on the treadmill or elliptical machine and do your weight circuit. Um, it's inefficient. (laughs) It's just not the ideal way to train if you want to be more like an athlete. So putting together these workouts, I started to just yeah, get a lot stronger. I, I never like, I've, we've already established I couldn't do pushups. So a pull up was like impossible. There was no way someone like me was going to be able to do a pull up. Um, and I started to be able to do pull ups and it was amazing. And it was like one thing after the other, I started to think, okay, I never have been able to do this, but maybe if I actually put in some time and effort, I could work up to it. So personally, I started to be able to do a lot more. And I also started training my clients this way and everyone got stronger and fitter. Um, and it was awesome. <laughs> this, this is this is a uh, this is a crazy story. I feel like for me, I, I, while I won't say I relate because I am certainly not in anywhere near the condition that you're in, I do feel this sense that sometimes you you want to you want to work out you want to get fit you want to do certain things to improve your life and yet certain types of approaches just don't sit well i guess it's how people feel when they when they want to go on a diet like a, they want to lose weight but this this diet just doesn't work for them for some reason and it sounds like a lot of trial and error for you that you had to find a system that worked for you at what point so you're a personal trainer you're also doing a little bit of that as well during this time is that right correct Okay, what what year are we talking about here? Oh man, I'm so bad with years. Um, <laughs> 2011 ish, 2012. Okay. That's, okay, yeah, that seems about and right. When did it start to? When did the wheels turn in your mind that you should think beyond one to one interaction with people in a gym as a personal trainer, like most of us are used to in gyms, and turn into this? I should do this or could do this, like in a digital way online. So there were definitely a few different things that come to mind. Uh, One, as I've mentioned, being a personal trainer in a gym is exhausting. You're, you tend to have clients, especially in cities, it's clients, you know, super early in the morning, as early as 5am. Then you have a giant block of the day that no one wants to train. And then people want to train again in the evening. And this is often six days a week. So you're not getting very good sleep. You're not resting. You're not working on your own goals. Um, and it's just, it is so tiring. Plus for me, working for someone else is just not, I have never been good at it. And I started to realize this, um, again, when I was working at a gym, I don't like being told what to do. If, (laughs) if it doesn't make sense, if it makes sense, great. Um, but if it's just, 
tell me to sell supplements that I don't believe in for no reason other than the gym wants to make money. I don't like that. I don't, I'm not good at doing something that I don't believe in. So I knew that was going to have to come to an end. I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. Um, I had a few different blogs to start out. Blogging was right. obviously bigger at that time than it is now. Um, and that was kind of just the the route that I started with. Uh, I started with a personal development blog that had no real point but I got enough good feedback from my writing doing that blog that it was encouraging and so I finally I I also started a blog that was like Chris the striker fitness but I wasn't very interested in that because I never wanted to just it just to be about me Mm. I wanted it to be about a bigger brand a bigger business that could encompass more encompass more people um and I think it's also one other thing is I think it's gotten a little bit more normal, which is awesome. But especially at that time when I started, it was like women did workout things for other women. They and like all the books written by women were only for women. And there was not really a lot of crossover with men and women um, for different workout things. And I actually think CrossFit has been a huge help with that, that it's just kind of more normal that, you know, everyone can do these workouts. Maybe you have to modify them slightly, but that's fine. So I wanted to be a brand that was both for men and women. um, And I'm very happy to say that that has succeeded. (laughs) Okay. I hope you're as inspired by that comment from Krista there as I was when she said it. Sometimes we gravitate towards the most obvious play in life, whether it's business or personal life. And she disrupted all of that thinking. Absolutely brilliant. You could argue that the obvious thing to do there was to start up a fitness brand, a digital online course fitness brand from a woman for women. And Krista said, no, I'm not doing that. And maybe she wasn't as defiant as I made it just sound, but she said no to the obvious path. That that's that's a really cool uh, take on things. That's a really yeah. cool approach to it too. To where you, you, it's about the training and the impact and the benefits and how you feel afterwards. And set aside the the gender side of it. That, that that's almost it's really irrelevant the way you approached it. Sounds like, and that's that's kind of really cool. It makes it more approachable or more Thanks. inclusive, as we would say. You know, for uh, a broader audience. I try. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so y- you start with the blog, and did you have somebody sort of holding your hand through this process? That's helping you from an internet business standpoint to figure out that side. You're you're becoming an expert in how to help people go from where they are to where they want to be. But on the business side of it, did you have somebody holding your hand in that way that can help you figure out and make some of the right moves early on to turn it into bigger than a blog to be more than that? I had no actual people helping me, but I had books and I had courses and I read everything I could get my hands on. Um, One of the ones that, one of the books that I think made the biggest difference and actually got me started was the book called The $100 Startup by Chris Mm -hmm. Gillibu. 
And it basically outlined, it was like three, I think it said something like three months of creating content and putting a structure together for your blog um, and kind of just thinking past, like, what do you want this brand business to be? And that was really my blueprint getting started. I just needed some way to start because I was reading a lot. I I would have loved to have a mentor or something like that, but I, I didn't at the time. So I just really went by that book. Um, and it really helped. <laughs> it was really awesome. That's incredible. The The book ta- taught you to think beyond a blog, obviously, yep. as well. It taught taught you to think of it in terms of a business that would exactly. need to have the blog sort of serving as a a feeder into the business part, you know, the revenue part of the of the company, right? Yep. So do you remember what your first product was? Do you remember the first way you monetized that blog besides like, you know, ads or something like that on the on the website? What was the first way that your expertise was turned into a product? I actually, my first product was an app, um, which now is like kind of crazy to think about, but from the beginning, when I first came up with the whole concept of 12 Minute Athlete, the app store was somewhat new. Um, and there weren't, I mean, now there's so many fitness apps, but there weren't a lot of apps out there. And I I wanted to create the app that I wanted. So I had no idea how to create an app. Um, but just asked everyone I knew, read everything I could happened to find a developer that would work with me on a, you know, all bootstrap budget. And that was my first product. This doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to, I'm not going to lie. Like, you know how many people I've spoken to, they knew they could monetize a blog. And the first step that they assumed and then went down was an ebook, an online course, um, something along those lines where the product is still digital but it's educational oriented and they can read the content, watch the content, something like that. The idea of going the app route, I don't think most people have uh, given that a second thought because of the very thing you just mentioned, which is developers. How do you launch it? Uh, can you make much money off of it? Why, what, in your, what in your head was telling you that the app was the best way to go? Like I said, I just wanted the app that I wanted to use. <laughs> so... I figured if there were enough people like me that it would do well. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think the cliche is scratch your own itch. Like you, yeah. you wanted this companion to you. So you were going to have it built. And if other people found it noteworthy or useful, then awesome. Then all the better. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I love technology when it's used right. I like things to be user friendly. Um, I don't even know what I would have done. I don't, there's so many kind of, you know, teachable and all those type of uh, online yep. course platforms now. I didn't know of any at the time. Um, so this was the route that I kind of knew. I, I liked, like I said, I like technology. Yeah. So, <laughs> so figured it out. So you launch an app. It's got some free content. It's got some, I'm sure it's got some premium. I, I don't, I'm not sure. I know it's got some premium content as well. How long? did you run with the app before thinking about the next step and what you wanted to do with monetizing? That is a good question. Um, I think the thing that I, that I struggled with a little bit was again, everything was a little simpler then. Um, 
app is almost, I think six years old, seven years, no, six, six years old. That seems right. Um, but you couldn't do like anywhere near what you can do today with apps. So it was all like hands off. So there was no communication between me and the app user, which mm -hmm. is great for people who are super independent. And I mean, I, a lot of my audience is like, I don't, I don't do follow along workouts because the people who do my workouts are pretty independent. Most of them work out in like in small groups or usually by themselves. Um, they don't need that handholding, but I did feel like at the time I wasn't doing any one-on-one -on -one training. I was focusing everything online and there is that, that component that, is missing um, when it's something like an app. So I decided maybe six months, a year later to actually work on an online course. Um, and that, you know, that's an interesting process. It was very clunky at first. Everything was just PDFs, but it, it was, it's been a great learning process. And I honestly, I keep refining those programs because I keep wanting them to be more user-friendly, get better results. Um, there's so many online courses these days that people buy and they don't finish them. And I hate that. And I want people to finish because I want them to get results. <laughs> All right. Let me step in again here and address you, my listener, my online course builder, blogger, podcaster with additional revenue sources you're probably struggling as well with what content do you give and what content do you gate and what content do you charge for? Well, you're not alone. Even people succeeding struggle with that. So take heart from that, if nothing else. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people calling with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs. And did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in 
just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's gonna wanna take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off your Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description. So the online course, I think today it's called the 12-Minute Athlete Academy. Is that right? All right. So you've got the, at this point, some point in time, we've developed the app. (laughs) <laughs> we've got we've got the the academy. Uh, even if you didn't call it the academy at first, um, there's are there other. Uh, what what I think is neat is for content creators is the need to balance how much free content you provide. And you do you're on so many channels <laughs> between Twitter, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and maybe there's others out there that I'm not even familiar with. You're providing how to like good content that people can freely use and never have to pay a dime for it. How have you how did you balance what content you gave and what content was the uh the golden goose stuff, the stuff that people had to, you know, do something special, i.e. give you a credit card in order to uh to pay, to get access to. Yeah, so I'm going to be honest that has never been my strong point. Um I am all about the viewpoint that fitness should be accessible to everyone. So I've always wanted to have a lot of free content so that, you know, a college kid who wants to get in shape or get stronger, but can't really afford anything can, you know, get stronger and fitter and actually work on their own fitness. Um, so I, I'm going to, I probably started out with way too much free content. (laughs) which you know is is great again like I ultimately my goal is to help people help them get fitter help them like realize that they can do all these things that they never thought they could do but I still need to run a business you know this is still my full-time thing I pay a lot of people so that's always been a little bit of a of a struggle for me and yeah the first the first year or so, I'm pretty sure I had that the app and the one online program, and that was it. And since then, I've slowly tried to train my audience that if you want more, you can get a lot of so many free workouts on my website. But if you want more than that, if you want it to be packaged in a nice, user-friendly, you know, medium. Um, like I said, I just came out with a book. Any of that is, it's not, I'm not going to charge a ton for it. I still try to keep everything as reasonable as possible, but it does cost money because it's my time. So you live a comfortable LA lifestyle based off of the fact that you're able to find that perfect balance, whether you give yourself credit or not for doing it between <laughs> educating people and, and helping them live healthier lives, as well as having a, a business element to it as well. Um, what did you do to build your following and your audience 
Um, so that you could have a, and whether you, again, whether you saw it this way or not as a funnel, um, to get people to sample your content, to download the app, to try the, 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 uh, or to follow you on Instagram, you know, for the, for the free videos there, as well as your YouTube channel. What did you do to drum up an audience? Was that something you hired out and had people try to help you with, or was there something concrete that you took a hands-on approach to? I would say the number one thing that I have always done is be consistent. So when I first started my blog, no one took me seriously because everyone at that time was starting a blog and everyone would get really excited about their blog and they would blog like crazy for two months. And then when they weren't getting more than, you know, 50 views every two weeks, they would get depressed and stop. And I just kept going. <laughs> I like I said, I did three. I did three months of content on my blog before even telling a single person about it. And so when I did send an out, send out an email to family and friends, I had like actual content on my blog. It wasn't just like that first "Hello World" post. Um, and it's been so for the first two years of my business, I blogged. I had two new, completely new posts, like articles every week, plus three brand new workouts for two years straight. And so just by showing up, people started to come to my site. Um, and it was the same thing with the app is that there was a lot of great content on there. And people started to expect it and you know, use it and they would tell their friends. And I got featured in some, you know, tech magazines. I've been featured on the app store. Um, but I, again, it just really comes back to consistency. And this is, this is the same thing I will tell people in their fitness journey. It's like, just keep showing up. It might be tiny little baby steps, but if you just keep going, you're going to make progress. That's incredible. And I, I it's, well, it's great advice and it's, uh, and it should seem simple for most people to know that it's consistency that ultimately wins the day. I think that sometimes people who aren't living the life yet uh, from a business standpoint, digital business standpoint, may feel like there's some sweeping moves that you need to make or something big you need to do as a launch of the new app or a launch of the new course. And, and we've had our fair share of entrepreneurs on who have done that, who build a massive list so that when they launched that course, they knew that there would be a pretty good amount of people that would sign up. But sure. in your case, it sounds more like you were playing a long game, either purposely or because that fit with your personality. Um, did you do it consciously yeah. or did it just kind of play out that way? I would say when I first kind of started, uh, the first six months, year, even two years, I used to kind of think that you know, that, that one big thing could happen and it, everything would change. And I have not seen that to be the case. I think there are certainly stories like that where, you know, someone gets featured on Oprah and all of a sudden their business is huge. But usually that person or that business has been just doing their thing for at least five years. <laughs> um, so the, the whole thing about the overnight success, I, I just haven't seen it to be true. And yeah, just for me, I, I did, like I said, I've gotten featured. I've been in, you know, the New York Post, various things that are super cool. And you do get like a little bump from them. But 
long term, it's really just like sticking around and making sure that your audience knows that you're going to be there. Your customers know you're not going away. Um, yeah, just, just stick with yeah, it. Yeah, and I'm seeing, I'm seeing, you know, from a YouTube channel standpoint, I'm seeing uh, articles, not articles, I'm seeing videos from six, yeah, six years ago that are sitting at 25,000 views, 40,000 views, 200,000 views, 50,000 views. And it, 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 as you scroll through the years of your videos, besides the fact that the branding is very consistent, which I think is also an interesting uh, takeaway that you haven't even mentioned yet, but that jumps out at me. Besides that, when you scroll up to the present day and you and you see the views, uh, the number of views smaller on some of these videos, it tells you that there is a tremendous amount of value for showing up every day. And it fits into like a piece of the puzzle into the business from not just a free content standpoint, but also from a um, uh, awareness and then ultimately, you know, being willing to download the app or try out, you know, the academy or something like that. So as you've been doing this now for uh, seven, eight, yeah, pushing eight, eight, nine years now, what, and you've learned a lot, not just about the fitness world and, you know, habits and how hard it is for people to change habits, but you on building a business, how do you look ahead into the next year, two years, three years at how you're going to need to change the way you spend your time to continue to have success with the business? Do you, what do you see as far as what you're going to have to do, decisions you're going to have to make at some point or are making right now that will change what you what you do versus what you did, say, three years ago? Um, one thing that I'd say is definitely evolving is my staff. I Early on, I think from the four-hour work week, um, hired a, a virtual assistant, which was cool. Um, but I've always wanted to kind of grow more of a team. And it's hard as someone who's pretty self-motivated and I don't mind working hard. So it's easy for me to say, you know, I can just do all this myself. But you have limited time as a one person business. Uh, you can only do so many things at once. So I've the past six, nine months have been working with a few different types of people to kind of hand off tasks to them, which is a little bit hard for me, but it's ultimately, I know it's going to give me more time to actually focus on bigger picture stuff. So that's something that I am kind of constantly in process of um, and definitely think it's a really important piece of actually growing as a business. Is it hard to do, though? Because your face is I, you. You did a great job even early on of separating your name from the brand. It is 12 minute athlete. But anything that you see that's 12 minute athlete has Krista Stryker front and center for a lot of reasons, you know, the relatability and so forth. But does that worry you a little bit when you have to hand off certain parts of the business to others? Honestly, no. I love working with other talented, excited people. So I, I never saw that, like I said, I never saw this business as just about me. And so the future of it is that I hope, and I'm working on this, um, to get other trainers involved, other people you know, around the country, around the world that we can start putting on more in-person meetups, uh, get more people involved and just working out together. 
And that's definitely not just going to be me at all these things. So I am stoked for that day where there's actually more people that you can recognize connected to the brand 12 Men Athlete. Oh, so at some point we're going to start to see new faces emerge is what I'm hearing you say when people think of 12 Men Athlete or when they experience the brand. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. That's scary and exciting at the same time. <laughs> yep. Well, Krista, thank you so much for joining. Your story is is awesome. And I think it it's funny how it's gone from not only uh, someone who felt like they needed to change their lifestyle, but um, it's motivating how you've turned that lifestyle change into a business and career change as well. So thank you so much for being willing to come on and join and share it with us. Thank you for having me. It's been awesome. Well, that was the story of Krista Stryker, founder of 12 Minute Athlete. Coming up next week, we've got another great story where a personal experience just like Krista's, but this time involving financial health, not physical health, led to Whitney Hansen becoming the next Dave Ramsey from her humble beginnings in Burley, Idaho. All right, thank you to my co-producer, Preston Lee, founder of Milo and the admin of the Milo Mastermind community on Facebook, as well as our incredible and amazing research assistant and production assistant, Bilal, for helping put together this episode. Couldn't have done it without either one of my friends there. And a thank you to the Podglomerate Network, which we are a proud member of, along with so many other great podcasts. Thanks for listening, everybody. Catch me at Brandon Hall on Twitter, if you like. And feel free to drop your rating or review on whichever podcast platform that you prefer. We'll catch you next week on Freelance to Founder. The Podglomer. A Sonic Universe.